Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season seven, episode seven. So hey, if you like the number seven, you are going to love this episode. We're talking to Dan Blythe, and uh, he's a global youth director for Alpha, Alpha the film series. But before we get to that, uh, the whole series, season seven, is talking about how, you know, the world is kind of on fire. What do we do now? I just saw this meme and it was all I want for Christmas is precedented times <laughs> uh, in these unprecedented times in these just ongoing uh, things that we're all going through personally and together. We're talking to people about where we find ourselves as the church. And particularly today, we're going to be talking to Dan about youth and next gen stuff. You're going to love this conversation. So thank you so much, of course, to our sponsors, Compassion Canada and The Church Co for making this whole podcast possible this season. We couldn't do it without them. I'm going to tell you more about them later. I love them so much. The people on those teams too are just amazing human beings. Can't wait to tell you about them. But hey, if you are missing out on episodes or you want to get more from Word Made Digital, here's a few places that you can do so. Number one, go to YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can get a whole backlog, back catalog of the podcast. You can get all kinds of free tutorials too. We're trying to do really practical equipping in, you know, how to figure out what social media platforms to be on or how do you figure out where print places in a digital space or how do you help seniors in your community uh, do things online? We're talking about very, very practical things in these tutorials. If that sounds like something for you, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, we would love for you to join our Digital Church Facebook group because that's the place we're connecting all throughout the week. We're having conversation and interacting with people or who care about the church in the digital age, discipleship, evangelism, reach, leadership in this digital world that we're living in. So want to find you there. Of course, as always, the links are down in the show notes, but Dan Blythe, he's a global youth director for Alpha. This is Alpha International that does uh, the film series and the youth film series been translated into all kinds of other languages. Like millions of people now have seen these videos and many thousands and thousands, I don't know the stat, is have come to faith. I have been part of this experience. Maybe a bunch of you have. So maybe you want to lean into what he's saying about Alpha and the next generation and how we're reaching people for Jesus. But you may also have heard his name or have seen his work when he was the youth pastor and then led all things creative at Hillsong London, that is London, UK. So I think you're going to love this conversation with Dan Blythe. Enjoy. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 7. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Dan Blythe, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really glad to have you today. Thank you so much. Um, as um, just a means of introduction, I'd love to know a little, t- you know, introduce yourself to people and, and really let's start. I'd love to start by hearing a bit of your own story. I don't actually know your story. Uh, um, so where are you at right now? And then let's go back to so a bit of tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in southwest London right now, so about two miles from Wimbledon Tennis, the, uh, the tennis championship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I grew up probably about, you know, an hour away from here, so sort of just on the outskirts of London. When I was about nine years old, mum and dad got divorced, neither of them Christian at that time. Um, but they both encountered Christ and gave their life to God, and then they both um, married new partners who were both Christians. And so wow. they started going to their local church, which was amazing. And I think from age nine, I could see God was real because I could see the change that happened in their life. They became confident, they became secure. But then being new Christians, they became a little bit, um, let's say, legalistic, um, huh. holding tight to the rules. And uh, as, a, as a teenager growing up, that's all I heard, the thou shall nots rather than the thou shalls. And so huh. through my teenage years, I was aware of God, but not close to God. In fact, I didn't want to be close to him because I didn't know any other Christians and I wanted to do what all my mates were doing. Um, and then to cut a long story short, age 18, went backpacking to Australia, almost escaping um, the the rules and the box, which I felt like I was kind of in loving parents, but I just felt like I could not live uh, that Christian lifestyle they wanted for me. 
just by chance, the first people I meet in Australia, in Australia are Christians. And that week, <laughs> that week, they take me boxing, surfing, watch the Rugby World Cup, and then to a connect group. And wow. I just saw after like one week with them, they had something I didn't. I live for the weekend. They live for something much greater. And when I asked them, like, why do you live the way you live? They just said, well, it's Jesus. And I knew for me then I wanted what they had and I made a decision to follow Christ. Wow. It's, it, it sounds like it's this story of like, you know, the, the, how God is working in people when we don't see it or he's chasing us down and orchestrating things when we couldn't have known. That's really, I mean, even in your parents, that's a really unusual story um, of them becoming Christians, both of them after divorce. That's amazing, actually. It was was crazy. And so, uh, I mean, obviously that was like this critical age for you. Like you made a decision. I think we're a pretty similar age. So I'm kind of like going back and like what was sort of the early 2000s like in the world and and that time you were making those kinds of decisions. Uh, so did you, is that where you ended up at Hillsong College or how, how did that come into the story? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually a church called C3, Christian City Church in Sydney, Australia. I didn't know any other church. So like, you know, my church, I knew my mom's church, my dad's church, and then I knew no other church. And so this church experience was like nothing else, you know, just normal everyday people living life to the full. Um, and then I started Bible college pretty early on. I had a friend and they're just like, why don't you do it? And I prayed about it. And in my early days, I felt God was saying to do it. But you got to understand, if you spent several of your teenage years away from God, you know, some of those habits don't disappear overnight. And so I started yeah. Bible college and the stuff I was getting up to through Bible college wouldn't really be acceptable by Bible college terms. But again, I was just so overwhelmed by the grace that everyone showed me. They kept putting my arm around their arm around me pointing me to, I guess, God's best for me. And over time, Bible college the first year was like a detox for me. All my habits and stuff just started dropping off. And it was in the second year of Bible college where I really felt God saying, I I want you to go into ministry. It wasn't until the second year where I even had a a thought to want to do that. Huh. Oh, that's really interesting. And I, I, I appreciate what you're saying too about, you're talking about like sanctification, really, like that it didn't all happen at once. And I think that, a lot of the times when we tell our stories, it does sound like it's all cleaned up. I think for the sake of telling a story, we clean it up too much. But what you're saying is, yeah, there was like a lot of, um, you know, messiness along the way as you're kind of working it out. What, when you were young like that, can you think of, because I'm thinking about that in my own life and the grace that was extended to me when I was stumbling along, figuring out faith. What were some of the things about the leaders that they offered to you, like when you were, when you were maybe when you said like, you know, your lifestyle didn't look like someone who's going to be a Christian leader. Uh, yeah. What were some of the markers of that in the leaders around you? Like, how did they, how did they love you or care for you? Or what stood out to you about what they did with this young guy? <laughs> yeah. um, that's such a good question. Yeah. And I'll, I'll actually name uh, one of the guys who was very significant. His name was Josh Kelsey. He's the pastor of C3 New York. And he was the young adult pastor at the time. And he would just call me into his office and he'd say, hey, Dan, um, I've heard this has gone on. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, I did that. Um, At the time, I wasn't even aware that it wasn't fully not acceptable. So I wasn't I didn't get why it was a big deal. And he was like, Mm -hmm. "Um, you know, if you keep doing that, this is the kind of effect and uh, result we'll have in your life. But this is what it looks like if you kind of, um, you know, want to give that stuff to Christ and surrender that to him. And I I always felt my spirit. I didn't want to live the way I was living. I just felt like I couldn't deal with the stuff that I was dealing with. And I would love to say that the first time he confronted me, everything disappeared. I would say it was over a year of me getting called back into his office and him Mm -hmm. just saying, Dad, but I know I know that you want God's best for your life. And he kept praying for me, encouraging me. And he wasn't putting me on the platform. I wasn't in any leadership role. And um, I was kind of grateful for that because I was just in a place where I could work on my identity, find out who I was in Christ and just work out this stuff, um, you know, because I wasn't ready for any platform stuff, which was great. Okay, well, since you're bringing that up, I mean, let me go there next for just a second. I mean, there's these stories over and over of these people who get these people. We know we know some of them personally, or we we read about people who get a big platform and they're not ready for it. Their character and gifting are not equal. You know, they're 
Um, <laughs> they're a mess, and then it turns into like a public mess. Yeah. Um, you know, what what would you say? I mean, you, you but really, you kind of quickly into your twenties um, were leading in like a large church context and had some level of platform. Uh, you know, what would you say to to other kind of young people, younger leaders listening about? how to do that? I mean, maybe from some of your own mistakes, perhaps, but like, how, how did you handle that? Because you did actually, in your 20s, start to get, um, I guess, more eyeballs on your life. Yep. Um, so the thing is, when I became a Christian, like, I felt like my story was so powerful. And it wasn't that my story was more powerful than anyone else, but you know, your own story to you is the most powerful thing in the world. And all you want to do is tell anyone. So I remember saying to Josh, hey, Josh, like, if you want me to tell my story on Friday night, just let me know if you want me to get up and do anything. So I was young and I was actually eager for the platform. I remember that mm. feeling, but he decided not to put me there because he could see that I wasn't ready for it. Um, and then it was only till later on in life when a lot of stuff had dropped off me, when I guess doors started opening for the platform. And I guess it was always the platform that I stepped onto was always, it just gradually grew over time. And I think I'm so grateful that for me, uh, the platform grew over time uh, because as the platform was growing, so was my character. And I think it's really important. Um, no, not important, but I think it's very hard now for like, you know, bigger churches like, you know, Hillsong London, which is a church of like over 10,000 people. And to put people on that platform for the very first time is, um, is such a huge responsibility. And uh, I think uh, when I've seen it, um, I've seen the platform being um, an open door for young people to learn and grow. I think that's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful that it's a church that enables a space for young people to grow. But at the same time, I think um, we need to also make sure that we're doing uh, the work for the platform off the platform, which is walking that journey with the ones that are going to go on the platform to make sure that they're, they're going to be able to deal with it. Because otherwise, sometimes the damage that the platform does to us, the limelight, causes so much damage that number one, not only do we want to be not want to be on the platform again, but we don't want to be part of the church because we've been right. embarrassed, we've been hurt, almost shamed sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. I think, you know, if if we went but when I look at some of my earlier leadership experiences and some of the mistakes I made, if if we had kind of gone by the book, quote unquote, the book would have said like, you're out, you're done, you can't work here, you can't do this stuff anymore. But but leaders who were willing to come alongside, work with me, help build my character, help refine me. Um, you know, and you, you it's maybe same, you know, when I was young, I had that hunger for some sort of platform. You want to make a name for yourself or whatever it is, but it's so dangerous if it comes without the other stuff. Yeah. And I don't know about you, maybe, maybe I'm curious to know what you feel about it now. Do you, do you still have that in you or you, <laughs> I think when I look at like all the stuff going on in social media and how everyone is just like shredded, <laughs> like you say one thing and then like you say you like oranges and everyone's mad at you because you didn't say you liked bananas, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it just makes you not want to do it. Maybe that's yeah. me getting older, but it just makes you think maybe I don't want this at all. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, the way it was before COVID hit and the cancer culture took place, I think there was an element of glamour attached to being on the platform. Um, you know, even though we say we're doing it for our right reasons, um, you know, you get encouragement from lots of people afterwards saying how much it helped them. And, you know, that always is an encouragement when you hear something that, you know, God has put on your heart to show someone else, help someone. That's always going to be a great feeling. But I think now with the current season and situation, it's like the people who are like Paul, the people who will preach and maybe they will be, um, I guess, appreciated or maybe they'll be battered and bruised. Paul still went because he knew that was his calling. And I think this season will just, I guess, even though you might not want to do it, I think if we feel called to do it, we'll still do it, regardless of the fact that we could get cancelled and we, we could get, um, you know, I guess, um, what we say taken the wrong way. It just might be one of the risks of being a preacher in this current season. Who knows where it might be in the future? Like, church might have to go fully underground. And, mm. uh, you know, I think, again, that's such a, could be such a great thing for the church. I'm not saying I want that at all, but like, imagine all your KPIs and goals aren't uh, an Instagram photo from the back of the room with everyone full, but it's all underground so no one can see it, but still God's moving and there's lives yeah. getting changed and we don't get the glory for it. We don't get the credit, but we're doing it because we know we're called to it. Yeah. So 
you know, it just makes me have to ask, like, where are you seeing God moving? I specifically, I know your, your viewpoint is from the UK. We over here in Canada, Commonwealth people, Australia, UK, Canada, we, we, we have the queen on our money, (laughs) but uh, yeah, like what, what are you seeing going on? Um, I mean, particularly you work with youth and I want to get there in the conversation for sure and talk about, uh, Gen Z or Gen Z alpha, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, post COVID the church has gone through such a radical, uh, shift and, um, restructuring of some kind. What are you seeing? What's happening in the UK um, yeah. on the ground where you are? Yeah, well, I think church leaders and youth leaders have done such an incredible job over this last last season. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. signed up for the roller coaster road uh, that it has been. And so my heart breaks for them. And, I, you know, I always want to just encourage them so much um, for what they do. Um, but I think what we're seeing is, um, you know, this move from like attractional services, which where you come, you sit, you listen, you take your notepad out, you write the three points from the preacher or the pastor, and then you go home to move away from like the attractional services to more of a personal community. So more, it's more about connect groups. It's more about um, small groups, crews, and definitely, you know, in youth ministries, the youth pastors I'm chatting to, which had really good connect groups are the ones which have really thrived through this season um, and even grown. And I'd say uh, grown spiritually. Their young people have grown spiritually because they had that connection. Um, And I think young people are really keen, um, especially just to listen. I'm sorry, young people are really keen to to speak what's on their heart in an environment where other people will listen. And so connect groups, again, small groups are places where there's discussion, where you can deep dive on certain things. And I think that, that again, is um, really important. Yeah. Yeah, it is encouraging. I think it's easy. Um, it's always the classic thing. The older you get, the begrudging of younger people, oh, young people today, the church is, you know, falling apart. But but there is this exciting, maybe a remnant in some ways, like this exciting new generation coming up who have a fresh look on things. Yeah. Uh, so you've more recently, I don't know the exact timing of this, but more recently in your life, you made like a career change I mean or maybe that's not the way to say it but you've you've shifted the focus of your work uh to alpha so I mean you probably could have done lots of things in this next season of life but why alpha you know what's exciting you about that yeah um the, my last three years at Hillsong London I was the creative director and it was such an honor to do that working with creatives and artists but ever since I got saved age 18 I knew my life I just wanted to give to helping young people encounter Christ mm. and so after doing a decade at Hillsong London I just felt it was time uh, to take that step out and step back into youth ministry and I was actually I didn't care what it was going to look like, even if it was like frontline youth work, you know, helping young people on the local council estate. Um, But this position uh, just, I guess, crossed my path. And I looked at the job description and it was like my dream job, you know, helping, helping create the next video series so young people can ask questions about faith, um, you know, to, to encourage and support youth pastors and leaders across the globe. So I wake up every day so grateful and thankful for this role. And, uh, and I think it's important, you know, for me um, just to observe. And that's what I try and do. Like, I don't ever want to be like a church critic, critic or I don't want to be like a church, um, you know, just looking at like what's going wrong. I want, I want to be a church encourager. And Alpha is there to serve the church. Everything we do is free and it's for the church. And so I feel like my season right now is about listening, learning, observing so that we can create some great stuff which is going to serve the church. Yeah, I love that. I saw you post recently about uh, something that you were doing with, like a you were filming something, and and you said, "What's the best thing about listening to Gen Z? It's listening to Gen Z that you yeah. you are in this like soaking. It sounds like you're just in this soaking in, sponge it up, like trying to hear what they're actually saying." Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. It's it's hard though because like we, you know, we did that, and when you listen without shutting them down you know they've all got very different views um to what i have in my head and um huh. and so part of creating that safe space is listening to them and allowing them just to voice their opinion and if they ask me you know what's my thoughts then that's my opportunity to share maybe my thoughts but until they ask me i'm just listening to them and creating that safe space building trust um building relationship and 
you know, I love this generation. You know, they're called the snowflake generation uh, because yeah. they're flaky, easily offended, um, got a sense of entitlement. But when you see like snowflakes fall together, like millions of them in England here, they shut roads and shops. Uh, and that's what we're seeing with this generation. They're making huh. change, not just micro change, but macro change. You get a few more million um, snowflakes falling at the same time. You get what's called an avalanche. And I think right. over this last season, we've seen Gen Z cause this avalanche, which is um, destructing quite a lot of things. Some things need to be destructed. Some things didn't need to be destructed. But um, I, I think what, what is happening through Gen Z, I think God is using it. I think it's our job as the church and as, as leaders is to kind of go in the avalanche and rescue uh, what needs to be rescued. And I think that's why we need the Holy Spirit discernment to see, you know, what did God what is God saying that can stay buried? That is from the past. I'm not using that anymore. And then what is God saying? Hey, that thing's buried and it shouldn't be buried. I'm still using that. So send in a rescue team right now because, you know, no, no Gen Z is responsible for the avalanche. That's the thing. You, you never have one snowflake responsible. It's just something that happened together. And now Gen Z are almost getting caught up in their own avalanche with the shame culture and, and cancel culture. So we're almost jumping in to save the Gen Z, which almost you know started it. But I think God is going to use it for sure. Taking a pause from the conversation with Dan to talk to you about the amazing people and work that's going on at Compassion Canada and Compassion as a whole all around the world. They have this Gifts of Compassion gift guide. Every year, Compassion Canada launches this gift guide to lead up to Christmas and you can give it all year long. So I know Christmas is over for some people who are listening by the time you get to this podcast, but uh, there's all kinds of gifts in there. If you're still looking to give someone something, you want to um, commit as a family maybe to start the new year with doing some things for some others. Hey, you can give financial literacy training, mosquito nets, water wells. You can give cool things like fishery training, carpentry workshops. I love that you can give people a goat or chickens or pigs or hey, for plant lovers, you got some plant moms in your life. There's even seed gifts. So if you're needing gifts still for the holiday season or you're just thinking about the year ahead, I want you to think of the Gifts of Compassion gift guide. You can go to compassion.ca slash shop today. That's compassion.ca slash shop. I know uh, before we hit record, you were saying that there's research that you're doing that is going to come out in 2022. You're not there with it yet. So I'm not looking for, uh, you know, I'm not trying to quote you for scientific facts, but just generally these trends that you're seeing, like you're naming the avalanche, like what, you know, if you could point out some of the snowballs, I don't know, whatever the metaphor is, if you could point out some of it, what, uh, what are some of those big things in, that you're seeing? Over yeah. The trends. Yeah, for sure. And some of the research um, that's coming out is between Barna, World Vision, Biblica and Alpha and a load of other great organizations. Um, and so some of the stuff is, um, you know, around uh, young people are saying that, um, you know, when it comes to the church, uh, it's kind of like a judgmental place and they don't want to go and be in this place with judgmental. So they're looking for a judgment free, safe space that they can be in to share their thoughts and opinions. Um, when it comes to evangelism, uh, they'd want to do first before say first. They want to demonstrate the gospel before describing the gospel. Um, and so, you know, for us, we would say, yeah, but you always got to tell people that, you know, you're a Christian or, or tell them about the gospel. And they want to, but they'd just rather show people first. And I guess that's come from, you know, seasons of everyone saying, this is what you should do and this is how you should behave. They just are like, I don't want to say anything else. I just want to show the love of God which I think is important because especially with cancel culture, you know, and Gen Z are canceling people and millennials, but you know, what they're doing, they're becoming very legalistic and they're saying what you're doing isn't right. And so they're shaming them and naming them. But we know like, you know, that's not the way Jesus would ever operate. Um, but we do know that justice, you know, there should be justice. We know we, we care about the rejected and the marginalized and the hurt. So, you know, what we're seeing is like there's a Gen Z who loves Jesus. They really want to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And so they're going to um, act to see justice, but not by canceling people um, and judging people, but by demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ through personal relationship and action. So I, I am quite excited when I when I started to hear some of these these findings, because I think, you know, there is definitely hope for them. Yeah, well, I, I think I read something in these Barna studies about like they 
the generation would say it's wrong to share your faith with someone uh, to try and convert them. But also talking about your faith is important to them. So it's almost like it's not they're trying they want to talk or they want to demonstrate it and talk about it and have the discussion. But maybe it's that it's they don't want the sales pitch at the end. (laughs) No, you're you're bang on. That's that's exactly as soon as it feels forced, uh, as soon as it feels like you're trying to convert someone, then like, you know, it's like red flags up. But if it's natural relationship and there's engagement there and someone sees something in their life that causes this moment to pray for one another and to talk with each other. Um, and already what we're seeing with young people is like a lot of the, I mean, the gospel helps people. So fear, worry, anxiety, um, you know, all of these kind of things which Jesus spoke about. Um, you know, they're finding that as Christians, when you just demonstrate how you can overcome these things, that is so attractive to non-Christians because they don't know they're dealing with the issue, but they don't know how to solve it. When they see Christians by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, just being able to overcome these things, that is not it's not just attractive to them. It's like it's like they, just, they need it. They want to know, like, mm. how it happens. Yeah, well, and. And it's interesting you're talking about things around like identity and purpose where it reminds me of um, Tim Keller. He was being interviewed by Kerry Newhoff. And I, I would imagine Tim Keller's super smart. He probably wrote about this or talked about it other places. But he was talking about like in the, you know, in our grandparents' generation, it was this like turn or burn. You're going to go to hell. Like it was sort of you were appealing to people. Uh, to come to Jesus out of like, well, maybe just like straight up fear, (laughs) fear of what would happen after you died. But it was also about um, the the value system was different around like you have to be, you're not a good person. You know, you're a sinner Turn to Jesus. We're now telling someone they're not a good person is very offensive. And it's like not a great starting point where in a previous generation, they might've said, you're right. I'm not a good person. <laughs> like you're yeah. a sinner might've resonated more. Now that basically Tim Keller saying, we want to talk about identity. We want to talk about purpose. And that sounds like even your data or, or what you're discovering as you listen to them, it sounds similar. Um, yeah. What, and that's, yeah, I was just, just to say, but that's what Gen Z is saying. And we've got, yeah. to, we've got to listen and then we've got to um, spend some time with the Holy Spirit and make decisions because just because Gen Z is saying that doesn't mean that it's 100% right. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, and you know, this, this is a thing with everything shifting over time. Um, it's so easy for us just to be accustomed to the culture and we listen to Gen Z and we do everything that they want. But, you know, my three-year-old son, like he wants chocolate all the time, but I'm not going to give him chocolate all the time because I know that's yeah. not healthy for him. And so I think it's important for us that we listen and then we, we really do like spend some time praying and being able to still act out of love. Because I know when I was 18 and I was in Josh Kelsey's office and he was saying to me, Dan, he just found out, he just told me that he just found out all this stuff that I'd done. Um, in that moment, he didn't, he didn't hide it from me. He confronted me. He said, Dan, this is what you did. And this is the effect it has on you. And this is the effect it has on other people. And you need to know that. Now, it's your decision what you do with that. But ultimately, my job as a leader is to tell you, Dan, so that you can make the decision. And at some point, we will need to, when there's, only when there's relationship, sit down with Gen Z and say, hey, I'm listening to you. But like, uh, I just want to let you know that if you keep going that way, this is the impact it has on you and others and just we've got to be I think we do have have to have those hard conversations at the same time yeah well no I I really hear what you're saying I appreciate that it's true because um, no generation has it right there's these trends or preferred ways and then the next generation comes along critiques it and says uh, you know the fancy word deconstruction or whatever but um, yeah what Gen Z is saying that they're seeking in their faith, in their in a community, in an approach to evangelism, some of that is right on, and some of it is, um, you know, maybe it's I don't know exactly what that would be, but it's just simply even just fear based. Like, you're, why are you afraid to say what it? You know, how do we help you overcome the fear of talking? It can't all just be show; it has to also be tell. Yeah. Um, so, in that, then what what are they talking about? faith community, their faith community, if they were part of a church, um, do they want to be part of a church? Um, um, what are you hearing about the kind of community or the kind of um, multi-generational thing they would want to be a part of? Like if they were going to hang around with older people, what kind of 
people are, and maybe some of this is the same for every generation, but uh, if you could help us name, like, what are they looking for in us? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, without, you know, repeating myself, but like just um, a safe space where they can belong. Um, uh, belonging is really important. And, um, you know, where they can come and they can voice their opinions and even ask their questions. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing because um, we, we don't always create space for them to ask their questions because we're afraid we won't have the answers. But I think young people are okay with us not having the answers. They just want to journey with us in the discovery of the answers. And so, you know, to create that space where they can ask questions and if we don't have the answers, just to, again, just explore it together. I think that's very significant. Um, I think we need to move past um, them being in the room on a Sunday. Obviously, meeting together, we know the power of community meeting together on a Sunday. But let's just say like a young person just decides to give up on a Sunday, that shouldn't mean that they're not part of church. I think that's where the leadership looks like, youth leadership looks like, we go to them. We're calling them before their exam. We're we're there at their football match, cheering them on. We're taking them for, I don't know, a milkshake or something after. And we're just talking to them about life. And you will have so many opportunities for a God chat and a God conversation there, for one-on-one discipleship there. Now, they might not be filling the seat on a Sunday, but that is still helping them to become more like Christ. Um, And again, the metrics and the numbers aren't as measurable. They're not as attractive, but I think, you know, they're, they're deeply important. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's the, (laughs) the stuff that has always been important has not gone away in this, like, you know, the digital world that we're in. So, I mean, let's talk about that because you're talking about showing up at the football game, having a milkshake, being present in their life. Um, the idea of on demand, everything you know we can get things when we want it the time that we want it nobody's showing up on thursday night at eight o'clock uh to watch a show anymore and so it's a generation that doesn't even think that way about how they would consume content let alone um what do you mean i have to show up at this specific only this one time and place to have some sort of spiritual growth or connection for the week like it's just not how they're how how really most of us are thinking these days but Um, You know, of course, we're made digital. We're a podcast where we love talking about digital and discipleship. Sometimes those words go together. Sometimes they're enemies of each other. (laughs) Like sometimes it doesn't work. But, um, you know, it's it's sort of like the double edged sword, right? This thing that can bring us all together, but also can cause, you know, major mental health issues. Um, body image, even all the stuff that the just recently Facebook had all those that stuff come out with, which was their own internal documents saying how much their platforms like Instagram like negatively affect young people's well-being, image of yeah. self, etc. So, how are you approaching that? <laughs> Maybe yeah. even personally. I mean, are you addicted to your phone? How are you doing with that? <laughs> but also, yeah. like, um, you know how are we doing that with, you know, everyone under 25? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such a good question. I mean, yeah, I think I definitely, um, you know, have had to deal with it myself in terms of having a day where my phone is just totally switched off. Um, I've got time limits on my social media, you know, and I'm 36 years old. And so if it's something that I have to like discipline myself in, you know, my heart breaks for the generation who have grown up where they haven't known, you know, anything different. Um, I think when it comes to social media, um, the difference between, I guess, when I was growing up is that uh, the term role model has gone and influences has appeared. And influences impact your external. So wear this makeup, wear your hair like this, wear this outfit, go to this place on on holiday. That's what an influencer does, it changes your external. But a role model changes your internal, changes your inside. A role model is someone who is in close proximity to you um, and you see their life and you see their character and their values. And there's something that inspires you about them. And so you actually want to live the way they live and, and you ask them to speak into your life and you want to spend time with them. You know, growing up, because we didn't have the word influences, I mean, there was moments where I said David Beckham was my role model. and But David Beckham, when I think about it as a teenager, he was just an influencer. He huh. impacted my haircuts. He impacted my tattoos. He impacted my football. But at the end of the day, he just made an external change. He never changed my internal. It was my dad and my stepdad. It was the youth leader who was trying to get me into church through my teenage years, which 
uh, he, he never felt like he was succeeding because I wasn't a Christian through my teenage years. Yet still to this day, I remember um, moments of my life when he encouraged me and supported me. And uh, even when I got suspended from school, I remember calling him up. And so he was a role model to me. And so I think, you know, again, how do we deal with this? I think we, 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 we use it for all the good that we can, but then we still try and be the best physical role models to the people in our world as we can. And uh, we've got to lead the way on, on the digital in terms of like, as leaders, if we get caught out being just, I guess, overwhelmed by how much time we spend on it, then what hope is there for, you know, the next generation? And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know we, we need to actually like think hard about the example that we're setting. Yeah. I just, the, the idea that somebody, somebody said recently to me that if you're born in the 2000s, uh, you, you, in this century, you have no memory of a time you couldn't see the person you were talking to on the phone. Yeah. Like, it's just, and so when, when you're even just five or 10 years older than that, it's hard to imagine that that's your only frame of reference because we've yeah. seen both sides. You know, you and I, this millennial, we're sort of, yeah, like bridging between these two worlds. And, and I think maybe in that sense, why, why you, Dan, are positioned because you can talk up and down. <laughs> You've seen both sides of it. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, like that's where you're trying to, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with Alpha right now. I mean, as you've taken leadership here with youth, I think the challenge of creating youth content is uh, change like every few years, what's cool or, or not that we're just chasing cool, but, but what yep. would connect with people changes uh, in terms of style, uh, how you film something, the kind of music, the kind of clothes people are wearing in the videos. Like if it's not cool, I'm sure people just like shut, they shut it off before they even gave it a chance sometimes. So um, how are you thinking about um, content and like digital content? Because when I think of Alpha, I think of a 12-week video series you do now. It used to be always in person. It can now be online uh, through Zoom. But when you're thinking about youth content, how are you wanting to distribute that? Maybe this is stuff you can't say too much about yet, but what, for what you can say, I'd love to understand how you're approaching digital content um, for this kind of generation. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a great question and I'm more than happy to talk about it. Um, I think the theology is is set in stone, like it's such a, um, a great format and so we're not going to change that. But yeah, the way um, we create it is um, definitely on the table for discussion. And at the moment, you know, I've been looking at the whole metaverse and, you know, this, um, you know, AI VR world that VR. is set, yeah. yeah, that's just going to like continue to like... Uh, become more and more part of our world you know with Facebook they're saying by 2030 all of our Zoom calls will be you know with our goggles and so more interactive um, and the teenagers which will be doing the next Alpha series that we bring out right now they're probably between the ages of like 9 and 12 at the moment and that age group are massively into like gaming and animation and emojis. and so we're looking heavily into um, animation and we've had meetings with like the Bible Project so, you know, what would that look like to, um, you know, uh, do it all with animation? Would we lose the personal or maybe the personal comes at home where the discussion happens and you can still have the theology all animated? You know, maybe in the future, Alpha might have like uh, animation studios across the globe, you know, with you know, contextualization with like the right skin colors with the right accents and no more subbing and dubbing, but everything local because for us, we want it to be personal to every single teenager in India, in, um, in China, you know, and I think animation and the digital world is actually going to create a great opportunity for that. So we're doing a lot of listening and learning um, research right now, but my hunch is that we probably will go down the animation route for sure. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I didn't think that was, would be what you would say. Um, Okay, I'm curious. I'll stay tuned. I tried, this is again, me being a 35-year-old old lady now. Uh, I tried virtual reality goggles, like an experience for the first time. Um, yeah. A friend of mine who's a YouTuber has um, has all this stuff sent to him, you know, all these toys. And uh, it was 
way better than I expected it to be in terms of an experience. And I've been hearing people are even going to like VR church. Like you're in like the virtual lobby and a guy beside you will say like, oh, hey, what time is the thing at? Oh, I think it's over here. You know, you can have a whole chat with someone you don't even know, then go into this virtual room. It's amazing. Uh, what, what, I mean, it's a good Christmas present if people are trying to figure out what to buy people for an expensive and fun toy. But, um, can we talk even specifically drill down to like length, uh, of content because there's been sort of a traditional long form. Do do you think length matters? Uh, Like length of content you're producing? Are you trying to make things as like short as like, would you rather have like 50 clips that are one minute long or are you trying to, can people do long form content still? What do you think about that? Yeah, hundred percent. It's such a great question again. Um, yeah. One of the feedback that we did get back was um, a lot of young people are wanting to run alpha in their schools and even their uh, lunch breaks aren't long enough to run the current oh, series. So yeah. you have to do uh, a, like an express schools version, like 10 minutes, maybe with like bolt on stories, you know, maybe some of the stories you can send the night before to someone to watch. And so we're looking to do loads of different options, but with everyone's attention span constantly getting shorter and shorter, um, we're, we're really looking at all of that. But at the same time, Disney puts out like The Mandalorian and that goes for like 45 minutes and like teenagers are hooked. So long format isn't going away. I guess it just depends like, you know, what do you want to do? And for Alpha, the content is important, but the discussion is equally important. And if it means um, breaking down different ways to access the content so that you can still keep the authenticity in the discussion, then we want to do that. This episode of Word Made Digital is brought to you by The Church Co. If you don't know The Church Co., you have to check them out. They're literally building people websites for free. You sign up, you choose a plan, and then their team of web designer or designers will build you a website at no additional charge. This is why I love talking about The Church Co. You may already have a website or maybe you're thinking of uh, getting a website for your church or for your own leadership work, but honestly, they're Sites look as good, if not better, than sites that cost so many thousands of dollars more. And they have a ton of really unique features because they've been thinking specifically about church. So some of their competitors might be able to build sites, but they're not thinking like, what are the needs of a church? So we're talking about church online and CHMS integrations, digital prayer, small groups and events and sermons and all of that kind of stuff and more. The best part, I think, and why I love to talk about them long before they were a sponsor of the podcast is the price. They do all this for 29 bucks a month. And right now, you listen to this podcast, you can get 20% off the first year of you using these websites if you use the code digital. Digital like word made digital. So I think it's a no brainer. It's obvious if you need an upgrade to your website or you need a website, go to thechurchco.com and don't forget to use that discount code digital to save 20%. Uh, I'm on the board of a, an organization uh, that talked about they a Christian organization and they they said they want to be like a leader in technology. And, you know, my my bounce back and forth in the conversation in the meeting about that was what do you mean by leader? Because, uh, you know, we will never we will never compete with a billion multi billion or trillion dollar Google, Apple, uh, you know, whatever, like the largest companies in the world that have access to, you know, far more money to create. Like you say, like you're talking about the Mandalorian or Disney, like they have a, like deep pockets in order to create content um, that people want to sit and watch for 45 minutes. Um, so do you feel that pressure? I'm, I'm curious too, because I know you come from that creative background in church. I come from that background as well. Um, limited time, limited budgets, big dreams. Uh, uh, how do you navigate that? You know, the, you want quality, but I guess what are the, I don't know, what are the markers of it being kind of excellent to you when you don't have the Disney budget? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cost is everything. Um, when it comes to animation, like it will be way more expensive than doing it another way. The, The question is, is like, you know, if, if the vision is there, uh, I will pitch that vision to, 
millionaires around the world and if they believe the vision is worth it then they will sow into it and if the vision's not worth it then they won't and I think that's a good telltale for me but um, you know I love your friend who said he wants to be a leader because maybe he won't be a leader compared to Apple or Facebook but maybe he'll be a leader for the church you know big C Mm -hmm. globally and I think we do need churches who feel like they are called to this who are going to really like take giant steps to work out you know what when it comes to technology is going to serve the church because you know, not everything is going to be helpful for the church. And we all kind of work out all these different things ourselves. But it'd be great if there was some like churches who are really saying, look, we've done the research, try this, try that. And for some churches, like they don't need to have all the technology, like just in person, acoustic guitar, you know, they don't need it. But like for other churches, they might need it. And so I would really encourage some of those churches who feel called to that to step out and pioneer and to take risks um, you know, and to, to, to kind of like fail for us so that the, the church can kind of learn, you know, where technology can serve the church. Huh, I love that. You're right, because there are some amongst us who actually maybe have the gift to fail, uh, yeah. as in they have um, the consequences for them are different than the consequences for the small local church who can't afford to be yeah. uh, the test lab for all of this stuff. That there are some amongst us who have the gift of <laughs> the gift of trial and error. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, you know, you you do have uh, a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably, you know, in the 25 to 45 range, but there are some younger people who are listening. So, you know, I appreciate what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, we we're, the best thing about listening to Gen Z is that we get to listen to Gen Z. But uh, there are also, you know, blind spots we all have. You know, if you could name one, you know, one thing as an encouragement for a younger person listening to you, um, you know, who's, a, a, you know, a young leader, a young Christian trying to think about faith, would is there something that you would just offer to them as an encouragement or maybe something to, you know, are you, do you want to tell them to go into the woods and be silent for a while? Do you want to tell them, you know, to go get a mentor or get off their phone? I don't know what it is, but you know, what would be something that you would encourage young people as like a practical action uh, in their faith? Yeah. And I'll probably sound so old school, but it is literally just um, spending time um, in your Bible. And the, the thing is, is like, especially with Gen Z, you know, a lot of a lot of them are like visual learners, audible learners, podcasts and videos. YouTube has gone through the roof. Reading uh, with Gen Z, you know, maybe not not so much uh, because there's so much out there visual. So I would encourage them to like look at your Bible reading, but like be okay with looking at technology for your Bible. So like there's um, obviously version but there's also glorify and there's all these new ways there's the youth bible one year which we've just created there's all these new ways to access the the gospel access the bible but like listen to audible some of them have like you know really nice uh soundtracks throughout giving you a sense of peace to help your mental health and there's just so much out there so Hmm. i would just encourage you you know in the same way um you know you're, you're diving on youtube just kind of try and discipline, you know, 10 minutes a day to go, you know, use the digital for the God's word and just allow him just to speak your life through that, you know, day in and day out, because there's so much great stuff out there to help young people. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's, it doesn't sound old school. It just sounds like the same thing has always been true. Like, like much has changed about the world and like Jesus is as relevant as ever um, yeah. to meet our needs. He is sufficient for what we need. Um, so where are you, you know, maybe as a, as a last question, you know, where are you hopeful for this generation? What are you excited to see as they grow older into adulthood and, and begin maybe moving into more leadership positions themselves five, 10 years from now, already some are, uh, what are you hopeful for? What are you excited about? When you think of like 10 years from now, what are you so excited about? in the church um, because of young people who are being raised up. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think this generation is ready to step up into leadership um, as long as we walk with them. Um, You know, Greta Thunberg, you know, she's talking to the world leaders about climate change and she's like 16 years old. And I think there is passionate Christian 16-year-olds around in our church and we need to find them, um, empower them and walk with them and, you know, allow them to use their voice uh, to bring around change. 
And I'm excited that if we start giving them opportunity to do that within the church and ask them, you know, what is on your heart? Not just like this is what we're already doing, but, you know, what is God saying to you? How can we, I guess, get behind what God's saying to you? This Gen Z, they're going to become the role models for the next generation, which is Generation Alpha. Uh, and they're everybody under 10 years old. And so this generation is like my son, you know, who walks into a room and talks to Siri and says, hey, Siri, play Moana. Like it's, it's a generation, <laughs> you know, which is just immersed in the in the digital uh, and it's a generation which are getting parented by the millennials and so i think with you know getting parented by millennials you got role models as gen z i think generation alpha you know literally you know you will just continue to build on if millennials said they want to change gen z started bringing around the change i think gen alpha will continue to see that change happen and so i think gen z are going to be great role, role models Dan, if if people want to find you or the work you're doing, where do you want to send people uh, to find more of all the stuff you've been talking about? Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're working on bringing out a few little things like podcasts and stuff like that. But um, I guess at the moment, I, I always post about um, Alpha and stuff like that um, on my Instagram, which is just DanBlythe8. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to connect with people through that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. I... Um, I hope that people listening are, are listening to what you're saying and uh, I, be inspired to actually invest in people who are worth investing in that we would make disciples and that the beauty is we get to learn from them as they learn from us. Um, so thanks so much, Dan, for your investing. I'm so pumped that you're at Alpha and can't wait to see what, uh, what you create next. Thanks, John. I love what you're creating. Love your podcast. Appreciate it. Dan, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, the behind the scenes on that is he also has sent me some uh, goodies from Europe, like some sweets and stuff. So I'm so pumped uh, to dive into those over this holiday season. Next week on the podcast, Michaela O'Donnell is joining us. She is the executive director of the Max Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Seminary. And so we're going to be talking to her about entrepreneurship and theology. Basically, how does our work have of meaning in our life and how do we make our work more meaningful. So thanks so much to our sponsors. Compassion Canada is back again, another season with them. Amazing people doing amazing work to serve the needs of children and bring justice around the world. And the Church Co. is a website building company you've got to hear about. I use them all the time. You're going to love them. If you need a website, check out those links in the show notes below. As always, we're going to see you in the Digital Church Facebook group. I want to see you uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel. Rate, link, share, subscribe. Do all the things you can do to get this podcast into the ears of more people. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world. 